Can we lift up our voice right now to the Lord? Come on, let's raise it another decimal or two. We love you, Jesus. We need you today, mighty God. We need you today, mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Booker and the Youth Committee for all the honor you've showed me. I um, was just the man that was called the chairman, but without all of you supporting and backing me, nothing would ever happen. And you just made me look good. I love each and every one of you and appreciate all your dedicated labor and your team support for the last two years of peak. Young people, give them a great big hand. And I still have one teenage child at home, and I couldn't feel more comfortable being under your leadership, Brother Booker, in this youth committee. We love and appreciate you very much. I appreciate your trust to ask me to preach to such a great group of young people. Uh, If you know me, you know I love young people. If you know me, you know this isn't my, my element right here. I'm not classified conference speaker. But what I will do today, I'll just be Paul Deeds, because that's who I am. And uh, I got a burden for young people. God has dealt with me a little over a year ago, and uh, I didn't realize it was going to be on Fridays. A couple camps this year, this meeting, another youth conference. I get Friday morning service when everybody's tired, everybody's wore out. Maybe it's because often at my home church, I say, I don't care what you do right now. I feel the Holy Ghost like a preach at a morgue. But I got a feeling there's some young people here today that aren't so worried about how tired you are. You're worried about a touch of the Holy Ghost on your life. Your hunger will supersede your fatigue that you feel. Praise God. I want to thank the executive council for, I know how the system works for trusting me also to speak to this great group of young people. I give honor. I wish my mom and dad could be here, my pastor, my hero, but uh, some business they had to take care of and transitions in their life and a little bit of health issues. He couldn't be here. Dad, if you're listening, I love you and I'll do my best to represent you well. And I love you too, Mother. I want to give honor to my beautiful wife that we just celebrated 25 years of marriage. I love you, Cheryl. You're the best. Honored to have my oldest and my only son, Devin, his lovely wife, Matea. And in January, they're going to give me my second grandchild. Love you, Devin and Matea. Josh, are my daughter, my oldest daughter, Rachel, and her good husband, Josh. I love y'all, and they've given me a granddaughter, nine months old already. McKaylin, I love you guys. And to my Hannah Banana, 17 years old, single, and says she's available. But there's a checklist that you must go through for me first. Hannah, I love you. And to over 50 people I've counted, I've seen from my church here 
Drove all the way from Michigan. I love and appreciate you, Bethel Apostolic Tabernacle. Amen. I appreciate your support. Amen. Sister Brewer, I haven't spotted you yet in this building, but I love you. I love you and appreciate your support. What a hero in my life. Amen. Where is she at? Someone right, uh, right up there. Amen. And uh, I love you and appreciate you. Appreciate the word we've heard this week. It never ceases to amaze me how that uh, I didn't communicate with one of these preachers and they didn't communicate with me. We were None of us were given a theme or an agenda. Uh, even Sister Vonda Tech says, there's some songs you want to go with your message or you know of any, let me know. And you know what? I never text her. I just feel like everybody's anointed. God's going to put it all together. And Brother Holmes preached that there's some things we need to throw out and a high-value target. Amen. Yesterday, and that Satan wants to sift us. And then last night, wow, what a masterpiece. Amen. Thank you, Brother Indris, for preaching to me. I mean that in all sincerity. There's no show in me. And I think last night was designed because for what needs to transpire in this short time I have this morning Lord willing if you get with me I don't say it three times if you don't then I say it three times but I really feel that there was some healing that need to be done for us to go to the next dimension and I know without a shadow of a doubt my hero one of my closest friends Elder Tiller is going to drive it all the way home tonight and I'm looking forward to that word. And what an honor to be paired with him on a Friday. How many's ready for the preaching of the word today? I'm not here to play one game. I can tell you right now, it's not going to take me an hour and a half to build a message. I'm just going to pretend I'm in a youth class on a Sunday morning. Back in the day when I was a youth leader and I'm going to deliver my soul for just a few minutes. And maybe not every young person will get it today or maybe you'll feel like it's not for you. But if not, put it in your lunch bag because you're going to need it real soon. John chapter 4 verse 1. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, set thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy me then saith the woman of samaria unto him how is it that thou being a jew askest drink of me i am a woman of samaria for the jews have no dealings with the samaritans jesus answered said unto her if thou knewest the gift of god and who it is that saith to thee give me to drink thou wouldest have asked of me and he would have given thee living everybody say living water the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well was deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? 
Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let's give God some praise right now. God, we love you. Anoint your word today. Anoint me as your messengers. I minister your anointed word. Shake hands of your neighbor before you seat him. Say, let's have a move of the Holy Ghost today. You may be seated as I continue to read. Rather than spend a lot of time describing the setting, I just figured I would read the setting. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come thither. The woman answered, said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy whom thou hast is not thy husband. Is that sayest uh, thou truly? The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our father worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem, in the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, and the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. You know not what ye worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples, marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. Young people, today I'm going to spend a few minutes. I may be a little slow. I don't know. We'll just see how the Holy Ghost unravels it. But I'm going to speak my heart to you for just a few moments. There's something very important today that I want to drive home to each and every one of us. There's something I like to do. Uh, Brother Holmes talked about how he collected things and uh, is a hoarder and, uh, and different uh, things that he just don't want to let go of. And uh, we even had some fun around the restaurant uh, after church talking about the people in our church, like my youth leader's wife. That likes to hoard everything and likes to keep everything and won't let nothing go and uh, so on and so forth. And But I love to hear what people have left behind on crime scenes that was kind of ignorant. It was kind of, uh, you know, they shouldn't have done that. It helped 
identify who they were. So often when I travel at night, uh, I listen to XM Radio, HLN, uh, and it's also Crime Scene Investigation, CSI. And uh, I, I, my wife and I listen to it when Hannah's not with us. They said it scares her too much. And so we, we listen to it, and the, my wife and I try to sit there and figure out the end of the story. We try to figure out, you know, which one of us would make a good detective. And the answer is neither of us. There would be so many people that would get away. But it's crazy when you read what some people have left behind. Like there's been crime scenes where their wallet was left behind. Uh, the one that amuses me was their false teeth were left behind. Empty containers that they drank from was left behind. Some have even left the articles of clothing and, and one left credit card receipts behind and it was so easy to identify them. One man was so cool that when he was hanging out at the convenience store and soaping it out and kind of just uh, learning uh, the, the routine there, he got flirting with the clerk and left his name and his number to hook up some time and then a few minutes later he done his Robbery. What, what a retarded young man. One crook forgot and left his little son behind. He got so involved in the robbery, he left his children behind right there in the store. One dropped his medication bottle out of his jacket while he was running. One that I thought was funny, he went and bought a printer from Best Buy and he returned the printer to tell him it didn't work. But what he forgot was to take his master copies of his his fake money and uh, when they opened it up they found it they called the police uh, went through the the transactions he's made and he was caught uh, leaving that money copies in the printer and some of the most incriminating things that you can leave behind uh, at a crime scene seven of the top ten some of them i just didn't want to read publicly but is your fingerprints your blood your hair, your skin, a witness that was standing by, your shoe print, ballistics. But today I want to preach for a little while on a situation that number one, we're going to have to leave some things behind to go to the next level with God. But I want to talk on this subject, a familiar place. When familiar becomes unfamiliar. Today I want to preach for a few moments about many young people in this building I know without a shadow of a doubt God confirmed it to me many months ago that he has called and he has ordained many young people that are not somewhere else they're not at your church today but they're sitting right here in the pews of this sanctuary they are the ones that are sitting there and everybody else around you may think well that's not the most qualified one well I'm here to send you a notice today God's never made a mistake and he's not going to start today But can I tell you, if you're going to follow Jesus, the Bible told us that Peter, James, and John had to leave the fishing business. Matthew had to leave the tax collecting. The rich young ruler would have had it, but he couldn't leave as well. You're going to have to give up some things. In fact, Luke chapter 17, verse 33 says this, Whosoever shall seek to save his life, you'll lose it. But whosoever will lose his life shall preserve it. Matthew 10, 39 says, If you'll lose your your life, you'll find it. Mark 8.35 says if you lose your life,
life, you'll save it. And John said, if you lose your life, it'll preserve it to eternal life. I'm going to tell some young people in the fear of God, you've got to leave some things behind. I'm here to, you're going to be identified by what you take home, by what you leave behind. In this youth conference, I consider myself, I'll be 47 here in a few days. And I don't say this to qualify anything. But I do feel and understand and know my role among young people now. That I am an elder. I heard Brother Sam Ham preach. He said he was at a conference, said they want all the young ministers under 40 to come up. Some of you probably heard this message. Then, then they said, we want all the elders over 50 to come over there. And him and some of his buddies that were standing there elbowed each other and said, where are we supposed to go? And one of them said, you're just tweeners. It's whatever you feel like. If you want to be an elder or if you want to be a young minister. And so he just, uh, he went over to the young minister's side. Well, today, since I'm a grandfather and have another one on the way, I'm going to be an elder today, Brother Isinger. So I'm going to speak to this generation for a little while. I have been a part and I've had the privilege to preach, attend, plan especially numerous youth camps, retreats, conferences, rallies. I begin to try to add up this week how many camps I've directed and how many camps I've assisted and how many conferences I've, I've been behind the scenes putting the contracts together and, and running them. And, and, uh, I told Brother Booker this week I would so much rather switch with him. Uh, what an awesome job he'd done just a year ago today. I said I would much rather be where he's at, just running everything behind the scene, not because I'm a control freak. It's just what I like to do. I like to crunch numbers. I like to try to make things happen. But I've been for all these for 28 years I've been involved in youth ministry and as I told our our local uh, region the other day if God will give me the strength brother King uh, when I'm 61 I'm still going to show up at youth camp I have seen and witnessed unbelievable moves of the Holy Ghost Brother Hendricks, I will never forget the night at our senior high camp that after an hour of preaching, well after an hour of altar call like last night, something came over the youth in my district. And we had a girl at that camp that was in a wheelchair. And the youth of that camp without air conditioning, Brother Tiller, you remember those days in Michigan. We got the young people, some 200 and some campers, took that lady and started walking her, that young girl walking her around that camp. I'm here to tell you it's like the walls of Jericho because it didn't happen on the first round. Didn't happen on the second. Didn't happen on the third. I don't know which number it happened. But after about 35 minutes of all those campers pleading the blood, heal her God, touch her Lord, deliver her. I watched with my own eyes as that girl lifted up out of that wheelchair and started running with the rest of the 200 around that tabernacle. And I can tell you a year later when she came to camp, she was still running around the tabernacle. (laughs) 
I have seen in my 28 years, a lot of those young people are pastors today, missionaries today, pastors' wives today, very crucial parts in their church, best youth leaders you've ever seen, best Sunday school directors you've ever seen, best second men you've ever seen, best ladies' leaders you've ever seen. And can I tell you, there's a whole lot of them in this place right now. There's a whole lot of you right now. But you're going to have to let go of some things and step out by faith and say, yes, 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 I will. You may be seated. Thank you for responding to the word. I have seen many called to ministry and I've watched them grow. But on the other hand, I've seen many called, commissioned, and they never reached any farther than that camp meeting, that youth retreat, that conference. Oh, I'm not going to be negative, don't you worry. They've been happy with people patting them on the back and saying, you have potential. I tell the youth at our local church, Brother Hershon, when someone taps you on the back and you're 13 or 14, said, man, you got some potential. That's pretty awesome. That's a compliment. Even when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, man, you got some potential there. But I'm here to tell you, when you get around 25, 26, and it's still, hey, you got some potential. And now you got a few children behind you, and you're busy, and you're occupied, and you're limited to give God some time. Come on, I, I'm telling you, I told you not everybody's going to understand what I'm going to say today. But I'm here to reach some of you young people that came to this conference saying, God, would you stir me one more time? But you got to get beyond that pat on the back that you have potential. And you got to shake yourself and leave this conference and say, I'm going to do it. Hey, I speak as a pastor. We need you, young people. This generation needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. Your schools need you. As this world waxes worse and worse, uh, this light's brighter than it's ever been. I'm here to tell you, those young people don't want what the world is offering them. I just done a funeral Monday, week ago Monday, of a 28-year-old overdeed on heroin. Never met the kid in my life. The family heard me do a funeral once for another family member. And as I walked in there and seen those young people... As they looked over their friend, the mom told me it started at 12 years old. And I began to just talk to the family and be friendly to them. I don't judge at funerals. I don't preach at funerals. I give a little bit of spiritual encouragement. That mom called me the day after the funeral and said, Reverend, can we come to your church? Our whole family couldn't believe what we felt while you were talking. That's what our boy needed before he died. I said, ma'am, you're more than welcome to come to our church. In fact, if you want, we'll come and pick you up and bring you to our church. Whatever it takes. But what she was saying, his two younger brothers were saying, I want something different. That's not what I want. But hey, your pastor can't do it all. Your youth leader can't do it all. 
I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I don't want you to leave with a familiar feeling and familiar results today. But I want you to leave with that familiar call, but an unfamiliar ending. I want you to go home and do it. I want you to go home and witness. I want you to go home and teach a Bible study. Some have even accepted the call. Even youth gatherings, every time you go and you feel anointed, you just say it's deja vu all over again. Same feeling. Same ending. I know it's an old cliche, but you're tired of just being stirred. But there's never a change. Can I tell you, young man, can I tell you, young lady, there's no magic to it. The anointed preaching that's going across this pulpit this week and the call that is tugging at your heart. I'm here to tell you, I'm going to do whatever I have to. If I have to pull you, I'll pull you. If I have to get under and push you, I'll push you. I don't care what it takes. But for the next few more moments, I'm going to empty my heart to you. You can do it. I said you can do it. For one reason or another, we're afraid. Acts 26 verse 19, Paul told Agrippa that I am not disobedient to my heavenly, my God-given vision. I'm going to be a little transparent. I remember I wasn't raised in a big church. It wasn't super small, but it wasn't big. You've been there. Most of you have preached at my church. It's a little city. And I remember when I'd go in my youth class, there'd be two to three kids in that youth class, maybe four. Brother Tiller, I would go to camps and... I said, God, I want to have revival. I want to have, re- I want to have, and I'd feel the call to tug on my life and I'd go home and it'd just be a few months later, a few days later, a few weeks and I was content again. I just didn't care. I, I had that and I'd go to another camp and my dad preaching rallies all the time and I'd feel that tug, that familiar feeling. But then I'd go home and it'd be the familiar letdown that I just quit I, and I, I wouldn't go any farther and I, I just didn't have what it took to, to just this, just just motivate myself and have faith in myself and have faith in what God did. And I let the adversary talk to me. I let my mountains in front of me talk to me. And I'm here to tell some young people today, you don't need to talk back to the adversary. You don't need to talk to your mountain. You don't need to answer them when they say you're not good enough other than this. Get thee behind me. And when they tell you you're not able, you tell them it's not by might, nor by power, but by God's Spirit, saith the Lord, and I take dominion over you. I am going to do it. Again, I don't claim to be anything here, but just before Brother Booker called me, my wife's my witness. I told her, I said, honey, I woke up today and God, God told me what to preach at peak and they haven't even asked me to preach peak. 
She goes, well, we'll see. She didn't even believe in what I heard. It was going to be a week of stirring. But God wants it to become a week of change too. God still calls young people. Don't talk down yourself. Don't live a second Timothy moment and oppose yourself. And become subject to the will of the adversary. But why don't you come to the knowledge of the truth? And the truth is simply this. If God be for you. No, that sounds too easy, Brother Deeds. No, I'm not going to contemplate, contemplate, uh, make it rough and tough. I'm just going to tell you like it is. If God be for you. You look up here and you say, well, most of these men got their dads as preachers. But you know what? My dad did not have a dad that was a preacher. It has to start somewhere. But let me tell you this. There's more than just a call to preach. The way I look at it, you don't, you don't run for positions, positions find you. If you just do the will of God and it's his will for you to pastor, one day your man of God in your life is going to come up and say, hey, Brother Williams, this church just opened, I think you need to pray about it. I'm pleading with you today, don't be your worst enemy. Quit allowing the adversary to make you feel unqualified. You this week have already felt that familiar tug. <laughs> you may have thought I was being nosy or weird, but every altar service I've just roamed through here. Saying, God, confirm to me what you told me more and more. I'm telling you as I'd walk by some of you young ladies, I could feel the anointing on you. I don't know. You don't know where you go to church. All I know is what I felt. You young men, I'd stand there and just look at you praying and pray for you and say, God, I pray it's them. I pray they go home. I pray they go home and change their church, change their youth group, change, Lord, change, change their home. Knowing that there's a good group of you that go home and maybe it's a split family, maybe none of your family. I know my own youth group, there's 28 of them here and I know what they go home to. I'm telling you as your pastor and even on this stage today, you go back to Bethel and you do what God's called you to do and this man of God is going to back you and support you. You didn't eat too many beans. You didn't have too much pizza. God's called you. God's commissioned you. Don't leave here with the familiar feeling uh, and a familiar results uh, but go home to something different well somebody just tell God before I even give an altar call I'll do it God
I know your reaction is, I've been there, I've done that. I'm here to tell you, rebuke that devil. Oh, I feel like we're fixing to make hell mad right now. We're agitating hell right now. Because I feel some young men that say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I feel some young ladies saying, I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to run a bus route. I'm going to do something for the kingdom. I'm not going to hype you up. I want God to deal with you. You do what you feel in the Holy Ghost. Too many have felt the call and didn't step into it. They are beating themselves down. Now they're in their 20s. And they're still saying someday. And I pray, but... God, it's not, but I know it is. You're knocking on the door 30 and you're saying, I don't know. I still feel that. I'm here to tell you, even those of you here today in your 20s, in your 30s, you need to step out in it. Hey, hell, hell is doing its best. It's sifting us. It's coming after us. But I'm here to tell you, my Bible tells me the gates of hell shall not, shall not, will not, can't stop us from going there and can't hold us in there we're going to make it you're standing here today with what i call the what if syndrome what if i would have stepped in my dream what if i would have never backslid what if i would have stayed on track with god what if i would have served god when i was younger what if i would have started a bus ministry what if i would have taught a bible study what if i wouldn't have played competitive sports what if i had made an effort to win the lost what if i would have married in the church i'm here to tell you god ain't gonna hold that against you today now is it's high time change make up your mind i'm gonna do it what if i'd have lost my life hey i'm here to tell you leave your life here go on to the will of god escape it I don't want to see this trend continue. I don't want to re-speak what I did at Camp Shiloh, but let me tell you that are over 18 today. Don't, 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 don't start too late. Don't just accept the back of you got potential. And can I tell you, you 14 and 15 year old, start today. Don't start too late. The story goes that a boy was messing around and thought he had it made and he ran to the train station and when he was almost there the train started to take off and an old man yelled out said son you're too slow and the boy stood back says no sir i started way too late and i'm here to tell some young people tonight don't you leave start too late do it now don't come back in four years with a familiar feeling saying i want to but come back next year with me Many converts, more young people, more anointing. Let's fill this place up. Come on, slap your neighbor and say, let's do it.
I know we have hundreds in Hope Corps, and that's awesome. And I'm here to tell you, what God is calling you to more is more than just one week of an ITW. And I'm not downplaying that. We need that. It sets a course. It's a pace setter. But I'm here to tell you, uh, what Hope Corps is doing, we need to have every church doing it uh, themselves. Uh, Let's train our young people. Let's get them in the street. Uh, Let's teach them how to teach a Bible study. Let's show them how to run a bus ministry. Let's show them how to work an altar. Young people, be a worshiper at your home church. If it's three, if it's 20, or it's 300. Say, so you don't understand, brother. I do. I do. I know you're standing now, so I will, I will hasten. And I'm not here to brag on Paul Deeds. God knows. But this is the God's truth. I can show it to you. I'm a numbers guy and I keep track of everything. But I'll never forgive Brother Jerry Dillon preaching at a youth camp in Michigan. I was a day late because I couldn't make it the first day because of my job and vacation and I was in that grown up world where you had to manage your time. I'd worked third shift all night, showed up at camp, played ball, come to church. crazy. I'm not exaggerating one moment. I lean on my buddy and say, who is that? They go, that's the preacher. That's what he's doing. I was on the fourth row, third guy in. Close to the girls section as I could be saying, who is it going to be tonight? He got up there and grabbed that pulpit, got the screaming and got the going. And he goes, you! I looked at my friend and said, he's talking to you. He goes, no, he ain't. So I said, yeah, he is. And my friend started standing up. He said, sit down. You next to him. My friend goes, no, he's talking to you. <laughs> yes, sir. He goes, run. I ran around that Michigan district campground, four sections, 21 pews deep. Ran all the way around and I stopped. He said, I didn't say stop, run. I kept running. Third lap. He said, run. Fourth time around, run. I'm tired. I worked all night, played ball all day. When I got done, he said, now dance, now dance, now dance. So I didn't know how to dance. I never done. I'm sitting there trying to be a white boy with some moves. I didn't have none of that. Long story short, two hours later, me and five of my buddies were like this. Ties soaked, clothes soaked, shoes soaked, hair running in our eyes. And about two hours into it, one of my friends goes, Deeds! I'm like, I'm right here. (laughs) God just called me to preach! Oh, I start bawling. The next guy, Deeds! God just called me to preach. Before it ended, all five of us uh, were in that circle saying, God just called. And I'm here to tell you, all five of us are pastor today. All five of us have started daughter works. I'm here to tell you. But you know what? When we went home, I was playing the drums. I was in my little safety net, my comfort zone. 
And something said, get up and go tell your dad you've accepted your call. Right in the middle of church. My dad's behind the pulpit. I probably shocked him half to death. I put my arms out. I said, dad. He's like, I'm right here. I said, I'm going to be the son of your dreams. I know my dad in his mind, he was saying, about time. He goes, what's your feelings? I said, God called me to preach. I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm just going to do your will. Can I tell you, one year, our youth group went from three to 32 young people that year because I said, let's have church. If no one's going to dance, I'm going to dance. If no one's going to pray, I'm going to pray. If no one's going to worship, I'm going to worship. And I'm here to tell you, it became in a contagious spirit. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Don't leave with a familiar feeling and a familiar result. Why don't you tell, if you got someone in your youth group, why don't you tell them right now, will you do it with me? Can we go back and do it? In 15 years, we baptized over 200 teenagers in a city of 4,500. Hey, I'm nothing. I take no credit. But I had some friends that said, I'll do it too. I'll get in the will of God. I feel it. We started a youth choir. 47 of them went on a tour. 21 of them, their mom and dad didn't even come to our church. And most of them didn't even know where it was. But they knew their young people had something good. Can I tell you, some of them today are my youth leaders, my Sunday school teachers, our ushers. I done got ahead of myself. But if not now, when? If not at your church or your school or your community, then where? Don't listen to the devil's lies today, young people. There's always tomorrow. The call of God ain't meant for you. You're unqualified. Oh, uh, you've been familiar with that way too often. You're familiar with feeling the call, the tug, and even some of you today will have tears stream down your face. You may even go in the restroom and take a shower so your friends won't see you. But there's a burden on you and you'll be crying. You'll be going down the road and you'll be crying. I, I'm here to tell you, even this today, I've preached to many of you, but I've never preached to a crowd this size. Probably never will again. But I remember as a young boy laying in bed, seeing myself doing this. God done it. He fulfilled that vision. Even for me at 47, but I had to come home and say enough is enough. I'm not going to be happy with a familiar ending. It's going to change. You say you don't understand, Brother Deeds. I've made mistakes. My life is a broken, messed up, cracked vessel that can't do nothing for God. But can I tell you, just as God told the old prophet to go take a field trip to the potter's house. Huh? 
He said, you go see what the potter has done with the clay. And it was marred in his hand. That word marred means fell. And one of the translation, it fell in his hand. But he made it again. I said, but he made it again. Listen, God's not Mr. Fix it and repair it. Come and help me, brother Nate. God's not going to just sit there and patch all your cracks. And you're a vessel that's just leaking and can never have a change. But can I tell you, God will make you new all over again. He'll make you a new vessel. Don't you sit there and let the devil tell you, you can't make it. You've messed up. You failed. But you tell him, no, 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 no. I went to the potter's house. He made it again. He did it again. He'll do it again. That's why rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, when I fall. I shall. Just going back to the well all by myself. I've been there. I'm lonely. I'm hurt. I've tried everything life has to offer. Five men, the one I have now is not my own. I'm just going to go to the well. But the Lord earlier that day said I must needs go to Samaria. You know what that told me? When you're down to nothing, God's up to something. When you think it's just another bad day and another routine and just a familiar old day, God says, oh no. Just like the lady that was going to cook her last meal and her and her son died. But the day before, God told the man of God, you get going over there because somebody's down to nothing. But I'm up to something. And I'm here to tell some of you young people, God said, I must needs go to Tulsa because he's going to meet you again. He's going to talk to you again. He's going to tell you, hey, I've called you for such a time. The lady shows up and God says, hey, I want to give you life. I want to give you water, you'll never thirst again. She goes, you can't even, you don't even have a bucket to get the water. You don't have a pot to draw water. And I'm here to tell you, God looked at her and I'll just hasten on instead of going very long because I feel God's going to do something here. But he said, lady, I'm going to give you a choice. You can leave with a water pot or you can go home with the well. You can go home with familiar, temporary fix, just a little bit of water, water, just a little bit to quench you, but you can go home with life and life more abundantly. The bucket's temporal, but the well's eternal. The Bible says the lady left the water pot and said, I'll go home with the well. I'm not going to go home with the same familiar setting, but an unfamiliar. I wonder how many young people right now, I don't know what your water pot represents, but how many will leave it here? How many will say, I'm not taking it home. I'm not going home with familiar. 
That's all right. I don't have to finish. How many young people here? How many young people here has been to at least two peaks? Three. Keep your hand up. Four. How many young people has been to at least three youth camps? How many young people here have a weekly youth service or youth class at your home church? How many here in your area has three or more rallies, youth rallies a year for the young people? I don't want you to raise your hand, put you on the spot. But I wonder how many of you felt that familiar feeling again this week that you felt at any one of those. But the familiar results was a few weeks later, it was done. That night I hugged my dad's neck. It was behind our church pulpit. I fell on the ground right behind the pulpit. And I weeped and I prayed. I said, God, I'll do whatever you say. And he put the heaviest burden on me for young people and for children. I prayed. I wept. I got up. There was a puddle of tears. I went to work that night. I used to work at a hospital then. And, and I ran a buffer. God's my witness. I just get started to run that buffer and that, Smith, that call come back over me. <laughs> I'd shut that buffer off, wrap the holes of uh, the cord up so OSHA wouldn't get mad. And we had a little restroom in a private area by an elevator that only I had a key to. And my backslidden brother at the time. And I went in there and I just cried. I said, God, never let that feeling leave me. I got my composure. Went back out, started running the buffer. My brother's like, where you been? I said, oh, nothing. Just, I had to go use the restroom. I get running that buffer again. It come over me and I get to weeping. I shut it down. I go back in there. Three times that night. Finally, my brother was my supervisor. I said, can I leave just a few minutes early? And the reason was, is I couldn't keep from crying. And I didn't want everybody to see me punching out, crying. He said, sure, whenever you want. I, I waited so I'd only get docked 30 minutes. And I punched that out. And I hold time to my car. I'm wiping the tears away. And I get in my car. And I go to our church as fast as I can. Sunday night, worked all night. Now it's Monday morning. And I walk in the church and I run up that sanctuary. And I dive behind that pulpit. And say, God, thank you. But I have one request. Don't ever let it leave me. Twenty-eight years later, I walked in this sanctuary Wednesday night 
And as soon as I come around that corner and hit me again, I said, thank you, God. I, I know, Brother Wilbanks, you were teasing a minute ago and said, don't start crying. But I'm here to tell you, I can't get in front of the youth at our church. When God's there, I just start to cry. You know what it is? It's that feeling again. It's right now that's the new familiar. Hallelujah. It used to be I would feel that in three days. It would just be gone again. But now it stayed for 28 years. And I tell you right now, God spoke to me and said, if you'll say yes and you ask him, you'll come back here 20 years from now. If God tarries with your teenage kids and it'll still be burning inside of you. The first step, I was 12 years old and there was four youth in our church older. They were all backslid. Evangelists came in. I've never seen them since. Never knew them until the day he came and preached. Big, tall, black gentleman out of Detroit. Brother Weaver was his name. And I'm here to tell you, he was God sent that night. My dad never knew him. He had a friend say, you need to preach this guy. So he said, bring him. If you don't do good, you're paying for him. And he got all those young people in the aisle, altar, and they were praying through. Four of them. After church, we were on our way to a pizza joint called Godfather's. And I got in the car. I'm sitting in the back seat. All these teenagers are older than me. Just a couple years. And as they got going down the road, they all still have bloodshot eyes. Blotches on their face from praying. The driver turned on his tape player and Lover boy singer came on and says, Turn me loose. Turn me loose. I want to do it my way. Or no way at all. And that driver leaned over to the boy on the right. He says, Well, is it going to last? I'm sitting here shocked. I didn't hear of this kind of talk before. What about you? The driver said, no, I don't think so. I'm not ready. And the passenger said, no. So they went to the back seat to my left and called that gentleman by name that's in prison right now. The other guy's dead. So how about you? Is it going to last? Pressure's on. Two of his buddies said, no, there's one left to ask. I knew they weren't going to ask me. They were just hoping I wouldn't tell the bishop. I looked in the corner of my eye. He goes, nope, it's not going to last. Now it's three out of four. And they get to the next one. His name is George. And I looked before they could even ask George, he started crying. I thought, "Uh uh-oh. What about you, George? You boys do what you want to do. I'm just going to have to leave you behind. And these are the words he said. Now some 31 years later, I still 
hear him in my ears. You boys don't understand what God did for me today. You don't understand what he forgave me from. And he said this, God called me to do a work for him and I'm not going to mess it up. It was George two years later that taught my wife and my brother-in-law and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law a home Bible study and they're in church and now she's the first lady for the last 12 and a half years of Bethel Apostolic Tabernacle. It's George that's pastoring still today, some 20 years now. He's been pastoring this great truth and living it. I'm awkward when it comes to altar calls. I like you just to make up your mind. You're going to do it. And that it's you that God is talking to you. And that by yourself, you say, God, I will. You're in a familiar setting today. But is there any young people that are ready to go home to an unfamiliar ending? I wanted to pass out water pots to everybody here today, but naturally I couldn't afford it and couldn't do it. But I wonder how many symbolically today would just lift your hands towards heaven saying, God, I'm dropping the water pot. It's evidence what I'm going to take home by what I leave behind. I'm leaving my doubt. I'm leaving my fear. Some of you might have to just say no more to that worldly girlfriend or boyfriend. Some of you might have to go back to the window and throw out a few more things. I've been changed. That's it. Dig it out for yourself, young man. That's it. Dig it out for yourself, young lady. This is something you just got to grab and God's done called you. You get a firm grip on it. Come on, that's it. Let those tears flow. Get lost in the Holy Ghost. Tell God what you're going to leave in Tulsa. Tell God what you're going to leave at this altar. Deliver. Get behind me. Favor. 